It's the Chronicles of Aguna. Happy birthday to Bakayo Saka. We're going to be talking about Gabriel Jesus's fitness, a little bit about Kai Havertz. Brentford have given Arsenal permission to use David Raya in the Carabao Cup. Pepe is off and we're going to get a fee for him. We'll also discuss Jorginho's future and take your questions from the live chat. All of that coming up on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simi. We've got loads and loads to discuss, despite it being the international break. We've got plenty of subjects uh, to be uh, mulling over. We'll also take some of your questions a little bit later on in the show, too. And I'm delighted to say that on this episode, I'm joined by a very, very special guest. He's known as Magic Mike, not because he takes his clothes off for a living, but because he's just an all-round magic guy. Uh, it's Mike from the Gooners Pod. Mike, welcome. Oh, here we go. <laughs> How you doing, mate? Good to have I'm you. I'm doing great, Harry. It's great to be uh, on the Chronicles. I, I remember when you started this podcast, uh, you know, we were we were talking to each other and getting uh, getting to know each other a little bit. And it was this, you know, little little hobby of yours and now look at you man I, I i'm so proud of what you've done and and honored to be uh joined by you today or joining you today thank you mate i'll send you the check in the post um good to have you um welcome along uh we're going to talk about the gunas versus cancer podathon which is coming up um we're going to talk about the Man United game a little bit. We'll we'll recap on, on some of your feelings from that game. Uh, as I said in the intro, we're going to talk about Gabriel Jesus' fitness. And this conversation came to my mind, or this debate, discussion came to my mind when I heard that he'd been called up to the Brazil squad. Because I think there is a bit of a concern among some Arsenal fans around what this means for him, given that he's still recovering from that latest knee operation. Uh, we're going to touch on Kai Havertz. Um, there is a new members podcast out, which dropped earlier today, which I'll give you guys a little teaser of a little bit later on in the program. We're going to be talking about Nicolas Pepe, who is uh, on his way out of the club. It seems Jorginho's future as well has been a subject of some reports over the last 24, 48 hours. We're going to do all of that. We're going to take your questions. But first of all, let's do the Gunas versus Cancer Podathon, because this is something that Mike does every year. Um, I've been lucky enough to be part of it on a few occasions now, and I can tell you it is a brilliant thing. How Mike does this, I, I will never know. Um, look, I've done some events with you. We've 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 been friends for a little while and we've done sort of different crossover stuff. But I'm always so in awe of how committed you are to the Gunas versus Cancer charity, um, which you set up yourself. Uh, yep. You do a brilliant job of it. And um, and you managed to pull in the big boys when it comes to guests um, for it as well, which is something to be extremely proud of. It just goes to show how well thought of what you're doing is um, in the sort of Arsenal community. So, Mike, tell people a little bit about what's going to be happening, where they can find it, how they can tune in, all the rest of it and what the charity is about as well, for those that maybe don't know. And, and the check that I that you were writing me, you could just you can rip that up now because you know it's just going to cancel the one that I'm writing you. But thank you, Harry, and and again, thank you for your support. You you've always answered the call every time I've I've asked you to 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 help with this. And uh, and, and to be fair, like you said, most other people have as well. It's it's uh, the charity is something for those of you that don't know that started uh, back in 2017. Um, I had long been looking for a way to kind of help raise awareness and funds for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society ever since my my dad passed away in 2010. Um, and, you know, as the years went by, I, through podcasting, through just really kind of getting out there and meeting a lot of fellow Gooners and networking and, and, and doing our show and meeting other guests, it occurred to me that, you know, the platform that, the limited platform I have happens to be very adjacent to a lot of great platforms like yours and Tom's and, and, uh, and, and so many other, you know, large podcasts that have great followings with great people. And, and so uh, I said, you know, let's get a charity going. Let's have it be a Gooner based charity, eventually a football based charity once we get large enough and, um, and, and let's do some fun stuff. So we've always had you know, FIFA tournaments that we've done throughout the year. We've done, uh other raffles we've done live events when the team comes to the u.s we've done live events in the uk um and 
about two years ago in 2021, we started doing a potathon. It was kind of a stunt to see if we could do it. It was one of my fellow podcasters' ideas. He said, what if we do a 24-hour podcast? And I said, all right, we'll do it. And, you know, we've always been lucky enough on the Gooners pod. We don't we don't get great, uh, a great number of listeners because we really don't pod very often or very regularly. We're all kind of busy doing our day jobs and that sort of thing. But we, we have had the fortunate ability to get a lot of great people on. And, and so we've really kind of just blown our entire guest uh uh let's say goodwill i've called in all the chips that we <laughs> we don't pay anyone for this um but they they come on at the goodness of our time and we've got a stacked guest list we've got about 40 guests from all different walks of arsenal life football life uh that are going to be joining us i can go through the list if you want uh it, it's you know it's kind of incredible it's humbling for me to have some of these folks on um, and so for 27 straight hours, starting at 6 p.m. UK time on Sunday, this coming Sunday, the 10th, we will be on for 27 straight hours talking to wow. football commentators that you all know and love, podcasters, journalists, artists, uh, bloggers. I mean, you name it. And, and we're going to have them on. And, and again, I can I can go through the list in a little bit if you want. But uh, it, it's something that you can watch at. Uh, 27hourpod.com, the number 27hourpod.com. That's where you can watch it, or you can just go to the Gooners Pod YouTube channel. And the main thing that you want to know is you can go to GoonersVCancer.com. That's GoonersVCancer.com. That's the website. It describes everything we do. It, it is a website you could donate to directly. You can use your credit card no matter where you're from. It'll donate in dollar donations, but uh, but credit card companies all, you know, they figure all that out. And it goes directly to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And if I haven't talked for long enough, uh, you can win prizes because anything that we do at Gunners versus Cancer, anytime we ask for donations, there's always kind of a, a prize or a group of prizes or some sort of incentive to get you to do that. And um, and we've got Arsenal kits. We've got signed Arsenal kits, a team signed kit. We've got legend signed kits from Alan Smith, Kevin Campbell, Lee Dixon. We've got artwork from Ruth Beck. We've got signed books from Charlie Watts, from uh, from Dave Seeger and, and Poorly Drawn Arsenal. So check out the website and you could start donating now. And in fact, you should, because if you donate during the show, you're going to miss some of the drop the prize draws that start happening pretty much on the hour every hour throughout the show. So cancer.com is where you can find out more about it. Uh, Battle Gnome in the chat says, where do I sign up? There it is. Gunas versus uh, is the website. I'll leave a link in the description as well. He says my niece survived leukemia and both my mother and my wife are in remission from cancer. Well, I bless can't you. think of a better charity. There you go. Yeah, the, chari um, the charity is meant to simultaneously try to find a cure research for uh, for blood cancers, as well as supporting families worldwide who are dealing with these illnesses. So Battle Gnome. Uh, not, you know, your family are battlers, clearly. So uh, uh, appreciate your help and your support and uh, and let us know how we can support you. We will as well. Um, I, I will donate an Arsenal shirt as well um, to your prize draws, Mike. So add yeah. another draw. Um, whatever shirt it is that, that whoever wins wants, whether it's the home, the away uh, or the third one, um, just let me know. Game-worn Bakayo Saka shirt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I'm not signing you up for that. But, yeah, it's it, it, there's nothing to sign up for about it. Just, just go to GoonersVCancer.com, and it's all it's all there. Brilliant. And just so do a draw for that shirt, and whoever wins it, just let me know their details, and I will get exactly. that sent out to them. They can choose if they want the home, the away one, or the third one, and it has to have Kai Havertz on the back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'll get the it, peel off letters that they can remove. <laughs> brilliant stuff. Um, amazing charity. And, and Mike, you're doing some great work on there. Look, we're going to take a really, really, really short pause. And then we're going to look back a little bit more on the Manchester United game. We'll get Mike's thoughts on that. And then we'll talk about Jesus, Pepe, Jorginho, and whatever else comes up in the discussion. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a sec. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As you can see, I'm joined by the Magic Mike himself, Gunas V Cancer, Podathon host. 
uh, an amazing thing that's taking place uh, starting on Sunday for 27 hours. 27 hours live of Arsenal chat. Mike, I, what do you do dinner wise and stuff and like lunch and breakfast, like during this podathon thing? Do you have yeah, someone you know, like, do you have great. a little bell? Like, can you it, come and bring me my lunch or, or whatever? In all the promotion, no one ever asked me like, like, like the logistics of how it works. Um, <laughs> I, um, I'm thinking this year of going without the diaper. Uh, last year I gave it a try, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's uh, because that's the question you get the most, but no, I, um, last couple of years I have, a huge uh, cooler that I've had up here with drinks and, you know, Powerades and Red Bulls, uh, sugar-free Red Bulls. And, um, and you go a lot with the protein bars. Cause I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and have lamb chops or like, like um, <laughs> that know. would be me. That'd yeah, be well, me. I'd have the barbecue guy. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a donor and, uh, and, and some shish. And no, I mean that cause not only would that be disgusting to be watching me eating during this thing, but I, I don't know that I would uh, be able to, you know, be on the pod an hour later, if you know what I'm saying. But like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's mostly mild stuff like that. And frankly, I don't eat as much as I used to. I don't know if, if you've noticed, but um, so I don't need as much food as I used to eat, uh, need. So hopefully I can get through the uh, the time without having to, you know, without having to do the old turning my camera off for 45 seconds. And you all know what I'm actually doing type of thing. But, uh, but so, no, it'll it, it'll be nice. And the key is also to get good co-hosts so that you don't have to bring the whole thing to a screeching halt. So I'll usually have one of my crew beside me while while we're talking to these guests. So can you like turn your camera off, run to the loo and come back? Does that count? Is that allowed? Oh, I mean, if that's not allowed, then then I'll just scrap the whole idea. I mean, you know, I it's not what's not allowed is me sitting here and taking a nap while I'm on the podcast or or you know turning it off. That that would break the string. And and while we're still providing 27 hours of content, you know, I, my personal sacrifice, my you know what I give to this is is uh, my bleary eyed dude. Last year. There was one point, and it wasn't right at the end. It was like about 17 hours in. There was one point where I started talking absolute nonsense. And Sophie, pretty, she was with me, and I think Clive was on. And I felt so bad because I hadn't yet met Clive. I've met him like five times since then, but I hadn't met, met Clive yet. I'd had him on the podcast. I couldn't make sense of anything. I, I just, that was a bad hour. And Sophie could tell and She just like picked up the slack because she's a host herself. So, you know, we'll see part of the, part of the fun. will be seeing, uh, you know, if I get completely nonsensical and, uh, and act stupid in front of like Peter Gurry, you know, I don't want to do that, but. I think I'm, uh, I think I'm on at like eight o'clock in the morning with you. You so, are, uh... you are, you are on at eight o'clock in the morning, UK time with the aforementioned Peter Drury, which I'm really looking forward to two of the top commentators in the game, uh, <laughs> on the same, on the same show. I really wanted to make sure to do that. And then, uh, part of the way through my, right towards the end, I think Tom Canton will be joining us as well. So it'll be a, that'll be a fun hour at 8am for everyone to wake up to. Yeah. Well, everyone should watch that instead of Tom Canton's 8am show. There you go. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. He's he's hopping on after the eight AM social. He'll bring he all of his viewers to us, and and then uh, and you know, and, and between you and Peter, you could just comment my nap. You guys could like put my nap into incredible, you know, in incredible uh, dramatic commentary. But <laughs> brilliant stuff. Um, right, let's uh, let's look back a little bit at the Man United game. We've we've done our review show on the game. We talked about it a little bit more yesterday, where we focused and honed in on. Declan Rice's influence and, and how that's growing within the team. I mean, Mike, we were speaking off air and we were talking about kind of the outcome of the game and how actually if the outcome was different, which it could have quite easily been given that we scored in the 96th minute or whatever it was, there would have been a, a very different feeling among Arsenal fans going into the uh, international break. What were your kind of feelings on the game at a kind of top level? How, how did you see it? Were you impressed by the performance? Did you think we got away with picking up all three points? Because I know a lot of people outside of the kind of Arsenal sphere do feel that way, as if a draw was a fair result and Arsenal just nicked it right at the end. You know, I, I have felt that way about many a game, uh, that, that that a draw was a fair result. Uh, I, I You could say I almost felt that way about Fulham. Not that I said it was a good result, but that, you know, the way we played for a large part of that game a draw was probably the likely outcome. And I would have felt like we had had a great escape with a two on win in that game. In this game, I don't understand. 
I try to be as objective as I can. I'm, uh, you know, I am an Arsenal fan. I've uh, been one for all my life. Uh, but like, mm. I, I don't understand how people can't see the dominance that we had throughout this game. Now, you know, again, dominating doesn't matter. We've dominated a lot of games and dropped points. Uh, you know, we've been second best in in games and won points very, very rarely. I mean, I can name the games where it's happened. We we almost never do that. Uh, Chelsea was one Leeds last year was one, but, but, uh, this game, we just, I mean, there was not a point in which I was really worried that we were going to lose the game, except for while I was waiting for the VAR to, to, you know, to, to intervene with, with Garnacho's goal, which looked way offside to me. It turned out to be razor thin. So I don't understand what people are saying. I don't know what United fans are saying, what, what neutrals are saying that, that a draw was the right result in that game. That draw would have been incredibly disappointing. And a, and a huge drop of, of of two points if if it had played out that way. If you're a United fan and you're you're saying that you were pleased with the performance and that you've taken encouragement from what you saw from Manchester United on Sunday, I think you're just clutching at straws. To be honest with you, no, the worst part would have been if we lost points to this United team. They, that mm. was the worst performance. I mean, I, I haven't really watched a lot of their other games this season. I, but I mean, they were awful against Wolves. They yep. came back from the dead against Nottingham Forest, but obviously started that game really, really poorly. They've not been good at all this season. And although all the narrative around Man United is always with the Glazers, you know, it's the Glazers' fault. You know, somebody spills their coffee in their kitchen and it's because of Avram Glazer and, and all the rest of it. Like, I, I get that. And, and if it were our club, I'm sure I would feel really strongly about it and I would be up in arms about it. You know, there was a time where... I was unhappy with KSE and what they've done is incomparable to how the Glazers have sort of driven Manchester United into the ground, but they've still spent a lot of money, Mike, you know, they've got people like Anthony who's come in for 80 odd million pounds and, and can't blame that on Woodward. Exactly. You know, this was very much an Eric Ten Hag signing, wasn't it? Um, And, you know, in 2023, you're finishing up a game with Maguire, and Evans at centre back. You, you got to ask questions of being cheered team. by the Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, that, so, not enough was made of that. I didn't. You think could hear that. You could hear it on television. Like I, I was sitting, I was visiting my son at uni um, in Harrisonburg, Virginia. So we were at you know a, a Buffalo Wild Wings. It was they don't have a supporters club down there yet. So we were just watching it at a bar, and there were some other Arsenal fans there that we knew and some that we didn't. And I said to the guy next to me, I'm like, you hear them cheering, right? Like for, for Maguire to come on. It was like the, it, it was weird. It was like the bizarro Granite Jaka against Palace thing, except we were cheering another. <laughs> it's one of these, we want you to stay kind of things when, uh, when we serenade the, uh, the outgoing manager. But I mean, I was licking my lips when those subs came in. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, Goon Gang FC in the chat says, if it wasn't for Mike, I never would have gotten to see Reese's goal versus Bournemouth from the lower North Bank last season. Absolutely indebted to this man. Top gooner, Ian Oliver from Virginia Beach. Top, top guy. And uh, yeah, I kind of regret not going to that game myself and have, and letting him have the tickets instead. But, uh, you know, <laughs> got to spread it around. You got to spread the love. That's it. Um, let's talk a, a little bit about Gabriel Jesus. So let me bring you guys up to speed with what exactly is that we're highlighting here today? Because I appreciate having looked at the title since I, I started the stream that somebody might take that in the wrong way. I'm not <laughs> trying to be clickbait, I promise. But um, I went with Jesus' fitness concern because, of course, he's returned from having had to have that little bit of minor surgery on his knee. Um, I reported at the time that from what I'd been told, it was a piece of uh, of scar tissue that was left in the knee from the previous injury that was causing him some discomfort and that the operation was just a small procedure to remove that. We said at the time that he'd be out for a few weeks. That was the truth because he came back nice and quickly, nice and promptly. Um, and he came on as a substitute against Fulham uh, after training for a full week and then obviously came on as a substitute against Manchester United again at the weekend. And I thought it had a really, really positive impact when he entered the field of play. Now, the reason I'm highlighting this and the reason I want to talk about Gabriel Jesus's fitness is because when we left the game on Sunday and I know he spoke to Tom Canton and, and various others in the mix zone after the game Gabriel Jesus said that he hadn't had a call from the Brazilian national team to uh, inform him that he was a part of the squad for their upcoming games now since then the Brazilian national team have dropped Anthony 
not because he was anonymous against Arsenal and has been anonymous all season, which is true, but because there are some very, very serious allegations against him. Um, and the Brazilian national team essentially have kind of suspended him until further notice. They don't want him to be a part of the setup until whatever investigation is going to take place is done and there's a conclusion and then they can take whatever action is required. From an Arsenal point of view, I'm kind of torn on this, Mike, and I want to get your thoughts because on the one hand, I think, great. He's not played much football of late, Gabriel Jesus. He's working his way back up to fitness. If the Brazilian national team take good care of him and give him, I don't know, half an hour in each game, this could be a good thing in terms of getting him up to speed and getting him back to the level that we know he can be at. The, the, the sort of negative side of me says, what if they don't take care of him? Look at all the travelling he's going to have to do. And he might have been better off staying at London Colony to work on his fitness and, and get himself back up to speed uh, nice and quick. Where do you sit on this? Because I don't know if this is a bit of PTSD from what happened during the World Cup, where he went on international duty, picked up that injury and he was out for three months. Is that clouding my judgment here? Is this a good thing that Gabriel Jesus is going to get some football, particularly with the Champions League games, not too far away? No. It's not a good thing. Uh, I think P PTSD is uh, is sometimes warranted. Um, I just I mean that in a footballing sense purely. Uh, you know, I I I don't think it's good. I I would much rather him, and I don't mean from a competitive standpoint. But you know, there's going to be like a, a closed door friendly against Watford or Boromwood or Barnet or or Brentford probably <laughs> or some. I mean, we've seen Brentford. It'll be North, Watford. Their next Brentford. door. It'll be Watford or Luton. Yeah, next door. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you, you, you know, I would much rather have him stay at home with with the people who are concerned about. And, and I'm not claiming Brazil aren't concerned about his knee, but they're but they they can't be con as concerned about his knee as Arsenal are. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've paid nothing for him, and and this isn't a World Cup, and we are largely banking our entire season on his health. So, I'd rather see his rest and rehabilitation be happening at Colney. Uh, without, you know, 12 to 14 hour travel back and forth. Um, I get on now. Now I'm no Gabby Rail Jesus. I mean, I'm, I'm near the athlete that he is, but not quite. Uh, but when I sit on a plane for that long, my knee starts hurting and I don't have any injury. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it's nice to see all of our players get this international uh, recognition. It reminds me, I mean, we've kind of, had a little bit of a dip in that in recent years uh, to align with our dip in overall quality. But I remember during the prime Arsene Wenger years, I mean, the entire squad was gone and we were proud of them and it was great until about, you know, 20, 30% of them came back injured. So no, I don't love it. Um, I would like to see him get as few minutes as possible over there. I guess uh, that just, he, he needs to be protected. And we cannot afford to lose him again this season. This yeah, this was yeah. a scare. This recent injury was a scare. Uh, if it's left over from the previous one, then who knows what's left over from this one? I mean, I'm no doctor, but um, I'd rather see him on the track right now, where where he's getting 20, then 30, then 40, then you know, then starting, and yeah. uh, and and be ready. And and you know, with Eddie Nketia and our kind of Trussard Havertz options at at the nine, we don't have to rush him into playing full 90s all the time. Yeah, I just absolutely. worry about Brazil doing that. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a hard one because uh, Russ says in the chat, yeah. <laughs> Mike flies first class. I, I wish, I wish. <laughs> oh, man, it, it's well worth the money, I could tell you that. Um, Ooh, but, that's a little humble brag there. No, no, it is worth the money. I, I've, I've done it on a couple of occasions where I was going on work trips. I would never pay for it out of my own pocket. <laughs> it's definitely worthwhile. Um, oh, it's worth other people's money for yeah, sure. Yeah, other people's money, hundred <laughs> percent. Sure. Um, just the, the thing is, though, and there's a couple of things that I think we need to be mindful of here. So, for Gabriel Jesus and for most Brazilian players, playing for the national team is everything. There's something special about the Brazilian national team in comparison to other national teams. I think it's taken far more seriously. I think there's far more prestige about it, um, and I think that. As a football club, you you have to be mindful of that as well. Like, I understand that you would want to keep your player back, but he's got an opportunity to go and represent Brazil, um, which would which would mean so much to him. And given that 
Gabriel Jesus's position in the Brazilian national team isn't guaranteed. He's he's very in and out of the starting lineup. The fact that he was a last minute call up to replace Anthony suggests that he isn't necessarily a part of the plans all the time. He was touch and go whether he was going to go to the World Cup. He worked his way into the team and then he picked up that injury, which was obviously unfortunate for us. So for someone like him who isn't a nailed on starter in the Brazilian national team, he'll probably feel like he can't afford to pass up these opportunities. Yeah, And I guess that there would have been a push from his side to make this happen. You'd like to think that the Brazilian national team will be well aware of his situation. You know, maybe the reason he was left out in the first place was due to fitness more than anything else and that their understanding of his situation. But as you say, you kind of never know. If I go over to the live chat, because some of you have been having your say on this, Goon Gang says, like the Ghanaian team has taken care of Partey or the Scottish team with Tierney. I agree with that. You know, there is going to be an element of selflessness when it comes to these things. And you can understand it. If you're the Brazilian manager or the Ghanaian manager or the Scottish manager, your job is to win football matches. So you're not going to care for what Arsenal want. You're going to want the best team possible. At your and, that's my con- and that's my concern. I mean, there's a natural motivation. And, and there's there's two or possibly even three sides to the story in this particular case, because you've got Brazil, you've got Jesus, and you've got Arsenal. And there's there's conflicting and or overlapping interests there. And that's just what concerns me the most. Um, yeah. you know, these are games against Bolivia and Peru. Um, that more than likely are not going to have an impact on whether Brazil qualify for, I mean, what is it that there is this, I mean, is it for the Copa America? Everyone qualifies for that. So I'm not even quite sure what, what they're, what these friendlies are for, but, um, you know, out of respect for Jesus, if this is what he wants, then, then, then that's great. But I am going to be clenching all the parts of my body that need to be clenched for the next two weeks and hope he comes back unscathed. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, the games coming up are FIFA World Cup qualifiers, I think. Um, are they? I think so. I'm just looking at it now on, on the Sky Sports website. It says FIFA World Cup South American, which yeah, I assume well, is the, is the I, I uh, guess qualification. So. I just thought it was, yeah, I mean, it being almost three years before, uh, you know, normally, mm. the, I mean, the qualifiers now in Europe are not for the World Cup. They're for the Euros. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. and And there is no qualifier for the for the, uh, what is it, Copa? Um, so maybe they do do it early. Yeah, maybe. Well, they do it differently, don't they? They have it like a league table where everybody plays everybody it's rather true, than yeah. groups. So p- perhaps there's more games to get through in that sense. And, and, um, those, and those games are rough too. They get really, really stuck in. And that's another yeah. thing. Like, I mean, it, it's specifically where, you know, the, the games that they're going into play, Bolivia and Peru, they, they, don't, they don't care yeah. about Arsenal. <laughs> and I'm I'm glad the games in, against Bolivia is in Brazil though because that altitude is a killer oh, as well. Yeah. Um, Amira says, as much as I want our players wrapped in cotton wool, I do think controlled game time for players like Jesus, Trossard, and Havertz will benefit everyone. Hopefully, it will boost their confidence too. There is that confidence element as well. You know, if you if you're Kai Havertz, for example, and you go and score a couple of goals for Germany, then you know maybe that puts you. In a, in a slightly different mindset. Um, Dean says, uh, Mike, great to see you on this channel. Look, you've got so many fans. Dean isn't a fan. He's a friend. He, I, I, Dean is one of the first gooners I met when I started watching games at the pub in D.C. Um, in 2014, when I, I mean, after 30 years of watching Arsenal or 25 years of watching Arsenal by myself with my kids and, and, and in solitude, I finally discovered other gooners who were watching the games together when Arsenal America and the, and the supporters club started going. And Dean's one of the first guys I met in DC almost 10 years ago. So love to see him in the chat. How close are you to the white house? I can't, I cannot disclose that. Um, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm about a 40 minute drive. No, I don't mean geographically. I mean, in terms of getting in there, cause I, I would vote for you. Oh, how oh, close! How close am I? I'm not even the president of my own podcast, so I'm not. I'm like I'm not getting elected to shit. Sorry, <laughs> president of your own household? Yeah, not no, quite. certainly not that. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, right. So uh, that's the Gabriel Jesus chat. There is no injury to Gabriel Jesus. We're, we're, let's just clarify that because I know one of those dodgy websites might pick it up and 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 say, I've had recently, Mike. I had one where they went where I said something which was an opinion, and then they went. They wrote a piece and they published it and it said BBC journalist says, oh, and, it was, and I was like, I didn't actually say that. I, I was sharing an opinion and it was, yeah, 
I mean, if you're going to quote me, at least get it right. Anyway. Funny, I say things I think are really important that I want people to 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 like follow up and retweet, and and never it was just <laughs> so you you know I, I I'll switch positions with you every once in a while. Actually, I kind of like being anonymous; it's better. It is better. You're right. Uh, right, let's take a short break, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Kai Havertz. Um, we're going to talk David Raya. We're going to talk Pepe to Al Shabab. Apparently, that deal is close to happening, according to sources uh, we'll also talk about Jorginho and um, and take some of your questions from the live chat won't be a minute don't go anywhere welcome back along to the podcast um earlier today we dropped our latest members podcast which you can find on the another slice platform the link is in the description below and if you enter the uh promo code or what's it called? Discount code. That's it. If you enter free episode while you're signing up, you'll get this episode for free. And you can use that on any episode um, over the course uh, of what remains of September. So if you want to check out uh, what it is before you sign up to it, you can do so by using that code. As I say, free episode is what you need to type in all in one word. I'll leave it in the description below once we're done as well. And you'll be able to listen to my in-depth thoughts on Kai Havertz. I'm going to share with you guys a little teaser from the episode um, so you can get a feel of uh, of what I was discussing and um, and why I think that uh, Mikel Arteta thought that Kai Havertz would be a good fit in the position that he's currently playing. Here it is. Right, Granite Xhaka was playing the left eight position last season. Arsenal were dominant in most games they played, and that meant that Kai, uh, that Granite Xhaka, I beg your pardon, would often get into attacking positions, and he didn't always have the quality to make the right decision or finish off a chance that came his way. I think he scored seven league goals last season, Granite Xhaka, which was a big improvement on anything we'd seen from him in previous years. But you can understand why going into the summer, Mikel thought, given we're this dominant, given we have that extra bit of stability in midfield by pushing our left back at the time, Zinchenko, in there alongside Partey at the time, or Partey or Rice nowadays, maybe I can afford to get away with playing someone who's a little bit more attack-minded in that position in the hope that when they do get those chances, there'll be a higher conversion rate. So when I think about it logically, I can understand why he... There you go. There's a little teaser from the episode. Why did Mikel Arteta think that uh, Kai Havertz would fit into that position? We also talk about what his best position is and should be. Uh, we discuss who's to blame, actually, uh, for Kai Havertz's ineffectiveness so far. Is it Kai Havertz or is it on Mikel Arteta? Uh, we also talk uh, about all of that stuff, um, as well as whether he's actually playing in a left eight role at this moment in time, because I've done some deep dive analysis onto that and um, I'm not so sure he is. But um, Mike, he, he wasn't good on Sunday, was he? I mean, no. That, I mean, I, I, I am, you, you know, Harry, I'm one of the more positive. I try to look at the positives. I try to give time. I don't like jumping on narratives. Uh, it bothers me when people do that too soon. I, I, I've subscribed to the he makes great runs. I subscribe to the it's going to take time to click. Watch what's happening with Vieira. All of those things I subscribe to. I get, you know, I, I get all the magazines and all the subscriptions. But I mean, if you don't think he was poor on Sunday, like that was one of the poorest I mean, just just from start to finish, the 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 best moment of the game, I, the man of the match was Fabio Vieira, not because he was so good, but because he came on for Havertz. Uh, it was just hard to watch. Has Havertz at least succeeded in making Fabio Vieira look good? <laughs> I mean, if that's that, if that's what you're spending sixty five million, I mean, look, I, I've been saying that Declan Rice was showed on Sunday that he was worth the hundred and seventy million that uh, that we paid for him and and Havertz. Um, and you know, and, and, you know, the Havertz and Vieira 90, 95 to hundred million that we spent might end up looking great. I'm just not sure that Havertz is going to have anything to do with it. I, I, I back him to come good. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to take a, uh, take a, a little bit of, uh, riding the pine as they say over here, um, uh, for a few games to kind of get himself out of his own head and then just start doing things more naturally. I think he's overthinking things. I think there's too much pressure. And, you know, if I know anything about Mikel Arteta, it's that when he does something for a very specific reason, he, he will push it to the end to make sure that it works. And, you know, I, I don't think he wants to undercut Havertz's confidence more by removing him from the situation. I think he wants him to try to work through it. And, uh, 
he's got a couple of big games after the break coming up to show that he can do that. Agreed. But but should he be taken out of the team in terms of for the good of the team? Because I agree with you. Mikel Arteta has made this decision to bring him in. He's brought him in for a very, very specific reason. He's paid a big amount of money for him. And the pressure is on Mikel Arteta for this this transfer to work. Maybe more so than it is on Kai Havertz himself as an individual, because this is one that Arteta pushed. This is one that Arteta wanted. This is one that he ultimately uh, convinced the club to, to, to get over the line. So, you know, I agree with you. I think he's going to keep persisting with it. And I also agree that there is an element of not wanting to kill Kai Havertz's confidence by just saying, this isn't working and, and sort of removing him from the team. But I mean, is Kai Havertz a midfield player for you? Because we spent all of the time he was at Chelsea saying he's not a centre forward. But I actually think if I look across the games he's played for Arsenal so far, the best performance we saw from him was in the Community Shield final against Manchester City as, yep, you've guessed it, a centre forward. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I... I think he will start in the in the left eight position against Everton, partly because it'll have been two weeks. He'll he'll hopefully be worked on both physically and mentally during that time. Um, and uh, and again, I don't think Arteta wants to bin him completely um, and you know send that statement out there. I think he wants Kai Havertz to be supported by him, which of course is the most important person to need to support a player to get him on the pitch. Um, after that, if it all doesn't, I mean, because Everton on paper shouldn't be uh, the you know the biggest struggle for us. Um, it always seems that, to be though, doesn't it? it, well, it always does. and, yeah, and at the times we think that they're not going to be the biggest struggle, they end up being our bogey team in, in recent years. But um, I think he will start, whether he should or not. I mean, I'd be willing to give him one more game because uh, I know there's a player in there. I mean, you, you can't have watched him at, at Leverkusen and not understand that there's a player in there. It's just been a long time since we've seen him. And at some point, like with Pepe, do you ever come back from that? Um, I hope I hope so. I really do hope so. And I think you will. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, hold on a second. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Tom says, does Mike have such a, how do you say that word? Guttural. Guttural, Guttural voice. That his microphone must be pointed at his stomach. I hadn't noticed that until Tom pointed it out. Is there something behind that, Mike? Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a stomach talker. You know, I, I want I want you to hear all the different digestive things that are going on as I digest your comments and the and the 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 the, uh, the chat. That's why I have it pointed there. Yeah, I'm so loud and 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 I, I say so much crap that you know, I, I if it all goes directly into the microphone, then you know, then the podcast is over. Some would say it's because Mike likes to talk with chest. There yes. You go. There you go. Um, Tom, thank you so much for your comment, mate, and for tuning in. Make sure you get over to the Guna Talk TV. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, make sure you're up at 8 o'clock every morning uh, for Tom's updates, which I have to say have become one of my go-tos in the morning because um, I quite like to just go on to Tom's show and it saves me a good two, three hours actually messing around on the internet trying to find all the latest stories. I'm like, yeah, Tom, I, thank I, you very I much. I wake my wife up at 3 a.m. every morning with it. I just I have an alarm that goes off and she's like, Ugh. Tom again. She's tired. She's tired of waking up to Tom, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. Um, Right. Remember, you can check out the Kai Havertz podcast on our members platform on another slice. The link is in the description below. And if you sign up using uh, the uh, promo code, which is free episode, uh, you'll be able to access one free episode per person uh, between now and the end of the month. Uh, so do check it out. Okay. Um, Pepe, Nicolas Pepe is seemingly on his way out of the football club. Al-Shabaab um, are the club that are said to be uh, willing to take him. Uh, they're looking at a fee of around about £2 million. When you think that we paid £72 million, Mike, I I'm kind of reluctant to give Arsenal credit here. I've seen some people say, look at Edu, genius. He's managed to get a fee for Nicolas Pepe. But I mean, it's hardly a drop in the ocean, is it? At two million pounds. You paid 72 million pounds for this guy. But, 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 but Harry, it's an accounting loss of only 12 million pounds because of, because, you know, amortization. So, uh, you know, his book value is 14 million pounds and we're selling him for two. So, let, you know, let's not lose sight of that. It's been a huge <laughs> success for us. Is that, is that how Todd Bowley's doing things? Uh, yeah, I don't know what he's doing. Um, but, what, what do you what do you make of of the whole Nicolas Pepe thing? There's a part of me that is a little bit sad to see him go, because 
I, I don't ever think he was that bad for Arsenal. And I always thought he got a sort of rough ride with the fans, with a lot of the fans. When you look at his numbers, he would score goals when he played. He'd, he'd contribute assists when he played. I know a lot of the games were in the Europa League and, and all the rest of it. And that made it easier for him to stand out, given the standard was lower. But I, I just think that he was another one of those players that maybe suffered from the fact that Arsenal just changed uh, tactically evolved under Mikel Arteta into a very different side. And he kind of got left by the wayside a little bit. Are you sad to see him go? Or, or is this one that we just need to draw a line under and, and move forward from? I think we've needed to draw a line under this for two years and and move away from it. And I think, I think the, the re I think those that are, and I don't mean to, to a man, but like those that are critical about Arteta or Arsenal's management or mismanagement of Pepe, Given the price tag, his talent, his quality prior to getting here uh, at what Lil Lil, um, mm. I mean, we you forget sometimes the revolution. Uh, not to steal Charles Watts's book's name uh, of uh, of what's happened under Mikel Arteta at Arsenal, and the things that have changed off the pitch, and you know, we can we, we don't necessarily know some some of us and by us i don't mean me i mean people like tom and yourself and others who are closer to the club on a daily basis you know might have a better sense as to how pepe is behind the scenes how he trained what he was like in the dressing room whether he you know how he took to being benched did he work harder or did he did he have a strop and and throw his toys out uh and all those things i don't know where my bell is but um you know the uh, so I have to think that his downfall, especially as it ramped up and became almost final under Mikel Arteta, compared to where it was prior to Arteta, is as much about off the pitch as it was on the pitch. Um, you know, Bukayo Saka's rise gave Nicola Pepe very little breathing room, and especially given that some years we didn't have those two games a week with Europe, other games they were you know they were the ones that Pepe featured in against the, the lesser Europa league group stage opponents. And, and I just, I, I don't think that he fit into the culture of the club that Mikel Arteta has very, and, and Adu have been carefully curating. And, and I did have the chance to talk to Adu and if Tom's still in the, in the, in the chat, he's smiling right now and he knows why, but I uh, talked to Adu in LA when they were, uh, you know, there for the summer. And I, I complimented him cause you know, I got a chance to talk to Adu. I'm not going to be critical of him. Um, and, you know, just on the fact that it seems that he's really curating a team's culture and that, you know, they're not necessarily out to buy the most expensive or the best player, although in some cases that ends up being the same guy in Declan Rice, but to buy the right players who fit the culture that's growing. And he, he said, and now I'm paraphrasing Tom, he said something to the effect of, of, you know, you're absolutely right. We can, play and play and play and build the the right players but you bring in one person who upsets that continuity and the whole thing goes back to square one and mm. and i think that goes as much to the players who we kind of were linked with and didn't bring in also to the players who we've obviously flushed back uh and flushed out over the years and i think we we probably have to look at pepe as being one of those people yeah it's a fair point um or like I've, ian I've, says he maybe it was just that he didn't track back i mean i i might have overcomplicated <laughs> it a little bit yeah i, I guess I'm, I'm sure that was probably a part of it as well um he didn't feel that he got enough off the ball from nicolas pepe um you know he is a bit of a luxury player not necessarily the type that's going to be sprinting up and down defending i remember there was one game i think it was villa away early on in arteta's time where he came on as a sub and almost cost us the game because he was not tracking back and when he did he was loose in possession I, I'll always remember that game it kind of sticks out in my mind but I, I just yeah it, it's a hard one isn't it I think whenever there's revolution there will be casualties not in the sense of people dying you know at a football club but you know what I mean um there will be sort of collateral damage to that and I feel like and not always the ones you'd expect and not always the ones yeah. you'd expect either you know yeah I mean I remember when we signed the Bamiyang on that new contract how pleased we all were oh and very quickly, things went south, didn't they, with regards to him as well. So sometimes you can't foresee these things coming. I am surprised that no Premier League club in the kind of lower half of the table figured that they should maybe take a punt on Nicolas Pepe. But I think that's probably down to the fact that he's on incredible money and probably isn't willing to drop that down too much 
He's on 140, I think, and uh, and and he hasn't performed as a 140. He hasn't gotten enough experience at 140 to for another Premier League club to to take a punt on him. That, that to where he a club like a Palace or something where he would be good enough mm-hmm. to, and maybe not even Palace, given there are other alternatives in that area when they're healthy. I mean, it's 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 hard, but they're they're also probably just waiting for him to be free. And this move to Saudi Arabia maybe put some pressure uh on clubs but it's too late now the window's yeah. closed for the premier league so this is really all that's available and if you want to replicate your wages at arsenal football club then there's probably only one place in the world where you're going to be able to do that given the way he's performed over the last few years and he did spend the second half of last season out injured as well so kind of a forgotten man to an extent as well um there were some reports as well mike over the last couple of days linking Jorginho with a move away uh, linking in with a couple of the big Turkish clubs. Now, it's my understanding that he's not going anywhere. And actually, it would be disastrous to let him go now that Thomas Partey's out for the best part of six weeks. Do you still think that Jorginho gets a, a hard ride from some of our, our fans as well? There are still some out there, aren't there, that are just not convinced by him whatsoever. But clearly, well, the, Arteta values him. The agenda boys are always out there and they don't change their mind uh they they'll look as stupid as they possibly can when proven wrong but um but like uh, yeah i mean if these rumors were were prior to Partey's injury um then i can almost understand that although i still wouldn't have been been okay with that i mean we we didn't really replace thomas Partey with a signing for the future this summer i mean declan rice Sure, but uh, you know, I think the the plan was to use Rice and Partey together a lot this season, if possible. And so, Jorginho is still that tr- transitional, experienced, good guy in the in the in the uh, dressing room kind of guy that we originally signed him for eighteen months to be. While we transitioned from Rice and, or I'm sorry, from Jaka to, you know, Jaka and uh, and Partey to Rice and, you know, name the player. I guess it was hopefully going to be a, a Caicedo, although <laughs> he's not ripping up trees right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jorginho needs to be here for the rest of this season. I think he's a calming influence. I think he's done the job when he's come in. He's not going to revolutionize the team. He's not going to, you know, come in and whip us up to a, uh, to a victory from, from down two goals. But um, no, I think it would be disastrous to let him go. Um, he is the kind of signing that we needed for the very, very short term. And if we're going to upgrade on Partey either in January or next June, then, you know, then Jorginho's job is probably done. Yeah, I think, you know, Jorginho signed on that short term contract for a very minimal amount of money. Um, and he's here to to provide cover and he's very experienced and he's been around the block and he's got the know-how and I'm happy for him to be here. And, and particularly now with the injury to... Thomas Partey, I, I don't think we can afford to let him go. And and I think his agent came out and said something like, uh, you know, he wasn't going anywhere a little while ago. Those reports then, uh, of course, continued to surface. They're all driven. BBC by announcer claims Jorginho is gone. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, if you're talking nonsense in the chat, I am going to block you, man. Uh, like, I just I ain't got time for it. Like, sorry. Um, but I'm surprised you've only got one because you, you know you take a chance when you have an American on the podcast as a guest. <laughs> so I'm surprised you've only got the one. Oh man, it, there's always one, isn't there? There's always one. Um, <laughs> it's just the way it goes. Right, we're going to take some of your questions from the live chat for the last ten minutes or so. So start getting them in. It can be about anything Arsenal slash football related. We're not going to talk about politics or anything like that. So you can avoid that stuff. Uh, just get in the live chat. And, uh, and and throw some questions in and we'll work our way through those. Uh, remember to check out uh, gunasvcancer.com uh, for all the latest information on the charity. And remember, the Podathon is coming up starting on Sunday. 27 hours of Magic Mike on your screens. What it's, you not, it's not 27 hours of Magic Mike. I will be on the camera, but but there's 27 hours of like 40 amazing guests. You Can I, can I run through the guests real quick while people... Go for it. Go in? for it. All right, here's what we got going on. We've got former Arsenal players, Alan Smith, Kevin Campbell, possibly Lee Dixon, depending on uh, on, on some family stuff. Uh, also, uh, some other footballers, John Harks, who's one of my favorite American footballers of all time. You may know him from Sheffield Wednesday in Derby County, uh, but he went to my uni. He played for my home, my local in the in the MLS, Warren Barton. Uh, fant- I, I, I hear he's a gooner. Uh, even though he played for Newcastle, but uh, Warren will be on with us. 
your football commentators, four of the best, Peter Drury, John Champion, Jim Proudfoot, and Harry Simeo uh, from the BBC who makes all these proclamations. <laughs> We've got journalists, authors, bloggers. We've got Charles Watts, Tom Canton, Sophie Nicolau, Gab Marcotti, and Julian Lawrence will be joining us. Henry Winner, Ars Blog, Gunner Blog, Andrew Allen, Mike McDonald, LaGrove, Dave Seeger, and Jacob, who you may know is Poorly Drawn Arsenal. We've got Elliot Smith, Clive Palmer, FK, Ruth Beck, wow. Fran, uh, Del Llewellyn. We've got the artist section of the of the show. Damian Ariaga, Albert, Lee Judges, Ryan Rocastle, my TGP crew on the Gooners podcast, the Not Another American, uh, Not Another Arsenal podcast crew, James Johnstone, Melvin Marks, Max Ware, Stevie Warrington, and little old me. And there's still a couple being added. So, uh, you want to see how we're going to fit all these guys into 27 hours? Uh, these 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 ladies and gentlemen, uh, tune into a 27 hour pod on Sunday night at six. Amazing stuff! Make sure you check it out. Uh, Patrick Carlson says, "When is El Nenny fit to play again?" I honestly don't know. Um, there's not been much noise around Mohamed El Nenny. He said back soon to Tom, I think, in the in the mix zone uh, on Sunday. Yeah, but it's all very vague, isn't it? Yeah. Back soon. I mean, how soon is it? Next week? Is it next month? Uh, you know, he's been out for a long time, so soon could be quite a while still. I don't know. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but that's an interesting one. I, I might do a little bit of digging on that. Um, Afsar Gunner says, why do Arsenal fans target Havertz? Why not let him settle down? I mean, from my perspective, and, and Mike, feel free to chip in on this. It's two things. First of all, he's an ex-Chelsea player and we've been burnt by signing players from Chelsea before. That's one. And so people are, are on his case. The second one is he was one of those players that divided opinion anyway prior to his arrival at Arsenal. And the other thing is I think people are probably a little bit unsure about what he's been brought in to do. And I think there's an element of people being concerned that Mikel is trying to overcomplicate it. And so they're looking at Havertz as a disruptor, if you like, in what worked really, really well for us last season. I don't know what you think about that. Well, and and unfortunately, and this shouldn't be the case, the other one that I thought you were going to say is the uh, is the price tag. I mean, you yep. know, it, it's it, at the time, because we hadn't finalized, I don't think, the deal for, for, for Declan Rice quite yet. I think it was a few days earlier. At the time, it was the second highest amount of money we'd ever paid for a player. And... It annoyed me because it came before January, July 1st, and so it helped out Chelsea with their financials in a, in a situation where, where I just don't know why we needed to rush so much on it. But but that isn't – I mean, none of that has anything to do with the fact that he's here now and he's being targeted. And it, there's just this rule that there's got to be two or three things about Arsenal, at the very least, that everyone has to have these, these just absolute – zero sum opinions on where it's either good or bad and there's no nuance to it at all i mean we've seen it with with havertz we've seen it with Xhaka, we've seen it with arteta we've seen it with pepe uh and, and Aubameyang and so many more it's just this this need and it's really just a small small portion of arsenal fans that 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 are quote-unquote targeting havertz it's just that they tend to be amongst the loudest yeah, small but loud minority, isn't it? Always. It, 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 it's a, it is a method through which you can express anti-Arteta views. It's a method through which you can express anti-Adu views. And for those who are truly just legitimately not agenda-driven but don't think he's good enough, you know, the question is, where's the patience? Uh, you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're four games in. We're still, dare I say, no, I won't use the I word. We're still we still haven't lost, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, and we're near the top of the table, and and we're you know, and we're not playing at our best. So let's hope we round into our best, and that Havertz is a big part of it. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, for sure. He's uh, keeping take... other players out of the position that people tend to think yeah. are, are are more suited towards it. You know, it, it it boggles my mind that Leo Trossard couldn't get into the game on Sunday. And if yeah. people want to blame that on Havertz playing or, you know, Reese Nelson, who was fantastic after he came on. then they in, in fairness, though, Trossard started the game against Fulham and I didn't think it was that effective. Oh, so gosh. then, you know, Fabio Vieira was. And so he was the next in line for me after Havertz. So I think yeah. that that's how I kind of justified that in my mind. Um, Amira says uh, on Ben Foster's video this week, he made a point that if a goalkeeper gets a slight touch on the ball as it goes in, 
the narrative is always he should have done better. But if he doesn't, the narrative is what a great shot. Thoughts? Well, that's absolutely true. Because if you do enough to get to a ball, there will be an argument always that you should have done more and you should have got a stronger hand to it. Uh, I, I, but yeah, I guess from a goalkeeper's perspective, it, it isn't that easy, is it? If you could get a full hand on it, you would. Um, but obviously, you know, you can't always manage that. And sometimes the ball, which is struck so ferociously these days and has so much movement on it, it's not easy to divert it with the slightest of touches. But yeah, I agree that goalkeepers probably get a rough ride in that. Um, Paul Nell says, and I'll throw this one to you, Mike. How pleased are you with 10 points so far Best on the based on the fact that we haven't played to our potential yet? You know, it's a funny one because I, I, I'm... I'm very pleased with 10 points considering the way that we've played for long stretches in, in many of those four games. I mean, our second half against Nottingham Forest uh, was pretty dire. Uh, I mean, we weren't in trouble really at any point, but it wasn't great football. Fulham uh, falling asleep at the beginning of games. Um, to be able to come back and, and take points from every single one of them and take the full points from three out of the four of them um, is – is, is pretty darn good considering we haven't played to our potential. Now, you know, last season we came out of the gates and won nine out of our first 10 games. Uh, I think the only one we dropped was that BS game against United that we outplayed them in anyway. <laughs> um, but the, uh, you know, and, and, and everyone was just surprised at how great we were and came out of the gates. And later on it came back to haunt us. We ran out of steam. So I'm not saying that Arsenal are intentionally, you know, holding anything back. We're not, we're just, we're not clicking yet. It, it just hasn't mm -hmm. happened yet, but learning how to win and how not to lose when you're not clicking at the beginning of a season. I mean, it should only get better from here. Injuries willing. It should only get better from here. So, you know, again, we, we don't want a reoccurrence of last season where we, you know, spent the first seven out of the nine months, just absolutely tearing through teams and looking unbeatable. Um, and then only to come crashing down. Let's save our best for last this time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's take one or two more uh, before we sign out. Uh, here we go. Diego says, what do you think of the team's ability to defend against counterattacks? Our defensive line still seems vulnerable, especially in transitions. This for me is a problem that goes back to last season, even prior to when William Saliba got injured. I remember when he got injured, everybody sort of went, oh my God, we're in deep shit. And we were in deep shit. Uh, we all saw that as it developed. But to say that it wasn't a problem that started to creep in prior to his injury, I think is inaccurate because I think there were times, even with him in the side, where we started conceding far too many goals at home. I think I read a stat when I was preparing for the game on Sunday. We'd only kept four clean sheets in 26 home games, which just isn't good enough. Regardless of you know where you want to pin it, it just isn't. As a collective stat, that is just not good enough. But counterattacks were a problem particularly when we had Rob Holding in the heart of the defence but as I say prior to that I think set pieces were an issue for us so I think defensive fragility has been there for a little while at the start of last season we were solid as anything but it just we just lost our way in that sense and that's continued into this season which concerns me a little bit what about you Mike? I mean does, does it and again we, we've talked about my tactical noose which is uh, it should be hanging from a noose uh, but but the because it's so small um, I, you know, I don't know a lot about the game, but it does seem as though the style of play that we have is is so aggressive and so attacking, um, especially at home, that it's going to lead to counterattacks. Um, we shouldn't be okay getting as, as few clean sheets as we are, and we certainly don't want to be allowing two, three goals at home. But I, you know, I think as long as we are continuing to press for three, four, five goals in a game, and and we seem to want to be doing that, whether we score them or not, is a different story. Our style of play, I think, leaves us open on the counterattack. Um, I think we're less vulnerable than we used to be because of William Saliba. I mean, we've seen him come back and make miraculous stops uh, against counterattacks, even with you know with dangerous tackles in the in the box that that for somebody less skilled than he is could end up being penalties. But, um, you know, it's just something that has to be worked out. But if we win every game 3-1, 4-1 instead of 1-0, then it'll pay off. Um, I guess yeah. it's, it's not a great answer to the question because we, I mean, it's, we are clearly suffering in that area. It is how we give up almost all of our goals. Forest goal, uh, the goal yesterday. 
the second goal almost yesterday that they scored that yeah. was offside. I mean, even the first one was was losing the ball. Yeah, no, no, both. I'm saying both of them. Yeah. Even the one that didn't count were 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 counterattacks, and we're just. I I think it has to do with how aggressive we are playing up the pitch, and we're naturally going to get caught caught back, and that's something we uh, we have to start working on if if we're not going to be banging in three or four or five a game. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll take one final one. Uh, Goongang says uh, Mikel Arteta said it best when he stated. Make sure you like and subscribe. We are on the way to 30K. Beautiful. We are closing in on 30K subscribers. We're still a few hundred away, but we're not a million miles off that. And we're hoping to get there by the end of the year. So if you haven't done so already and you're freeloading, what are you playing at? I have 175 Twitter accounts. So I'll get on those right away and I'll get you (laughs) as close as I possibly can. But all those burner accounts, (laughs) Mike's going to get all these burner accounts out. Uh, Make sure you 24 different rodents and gerbils, uh, you know, going on. There you go. There you go. Uh, make sure you like the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you subscribe to the Gunas pod. Make sure you go over to GunasVCancer.com uh, as well. Um, I'll take one more question very quickly. Um, my wife's getting on my case that my dinner's ready. She's texted me twice. She said, your dinner's ready. I said, I'll be in soon. She said, you asked specifically for this meal and you're going to eat it cold and then moan about it. I said, I won't moan about it, but I've got to finish your podcast. Uh, <laughs> tell, tell her that you know this is this is against cancer this is this is against exactly cancer this podcast is for so you know exactly. food, come, food comes second absolutely um let's take this one do you think arsenal missed the trick not getting an additional dm on top of Partey and rice after timber got injured because of our injury record should arsenal have just had that extra player um my perspective on this is no um I don't think that we need more in midfield. I mean, we've still got El Nenny in the squad, regardless of whether you think he's good enough. He is a part of the squad in Arsenal's eyes. You've got Jorginho, you've got Rice, you've got Partey, uh, who can all play in that position. And when you also Zinchenko could even play there if you really needed him to. Uh, ben White could play ben there White could if play you there. really needed him. Um, Durian Timber would have been able to play there if you needed him to and had he stayed fit. And when you consider that most of the time, based on the evidence we've seen so far this season, we only play with one DM, why would you go and blow a significant proportion of your budget on that? Um, That's how I look at it. I I think we've been unfortunate in the injuries that we've had. Maybe we could have seen the Thomas Partey one coming because it seems to happen every year. Um, But you couldn't have seen Jurian Timber picking up that injury that he did. And uh, and so, no, I'm not going to throw mud at the club for this. Mike, your, your take on this. Yeah, well, you know, of course we should have signed an additional DM and another center back. I think we should have signed a third starting goalkeeper um, and two new number nines. Uh, I mean, and and I'm livid at, at the club for not doing that. Uh, I mean, you, it's like it's like um, who is it in the chat that just said that? I mean, you. I know it seems like some clubs print money, but uh, but we don't. We kind of tend to go th- around things responsibly but aggressively now, um, and. Just because Timber got hurt, I mean, Timber, we're still paying his wages and his transfer fee. And, you know, and and the reason that we have collected an assortment of players who can play two, sometimes three, even four different positions is to try to better handle these situations. So, yeah, it leaves us short. Um, but I think you've answered it quite well, Harry, that, uh, you know, the players that we have are going to have to be enough to get us through. And hopefully the news about Thomas Partey and and it being six to eight weeks rather than the three months that, that we first heard about is true. And, um, and, we, and we won't have to deal with as much of the season without him. Yep, indeed. Right, we are going to leave it there. Um, thank you, Mike, so, so much. Just remind people of when the Gunas v. Cancer Podathon begins um, and tell people how they can find the website. Um, and, uh, yeah, give us uh, a download, basically. Yeah, it starts at 6 p.m. on Sunday. This Sunday, the 10th, 6 p.m. UK time. To watch the pod, you go to 27hourpod.com. And to learn more about it, if you missed the guest list before, you can go and see it on, uh, and you can see the prizes that are there and just learn more about the charity general at goonersvcancer.com. We'll be going for 27 hours from 6 p.m. on Sunday to 9 p.m. on Monday, UK time. Pick your hours or you can do what a few people did last year and stay on from start to finish, just like I will be. And um, and if you do, chances are you'll get a prize. So uh, so Gunners v Cancer, Harry, I appreciate the uh, the help, the friendship, the the companionship on uh, on our Gunners v Pod 
pods last last year and, and on Tom's recent podcast. It's always good to talk to you. No, thank you for coming on, Mike. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for letting me be a part of uh, the Gunas v. Cancer Podathon as well, because it is an incredible cause. And um, yeah, we're all proud of, of of the work you're doing, Mike, and um, it is an absolute privilege to support it. So thank you uh, so, so much. Right. We are going to be back tomorrow with more. Um, we'll bring you up to speed with the latest Arsenal news tomorrow. That'll be Wednesday. Some of you will be listening to this on Wednesday, but there will be another episode at some point on Wednesday. I don't know exactly what time because the truth is my schedule's all over the place, but we'll bring you some form of content. It'll be uh, 20 make... minutes before dinner's ready. Yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, make sure that your notifications are turned on. Make sure that you're subscribed to the channel if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, don't forget to leave a like. As I say, we're on 85 likes. I can't believe we haven't got 100 yet. What is going on? Surely we can make that happen by the time uh, I click log off. Uh, remember, there is a members episode out on the Another Slice platform uh, looking at the uh, ineffectiveness, I guess, of Kai Havertz so far. Who's to blame? Uh, what needs to change? Check that out. We played you a little teaser earlier on in the show where I was kind of explaining what I think the logic was behind Mikel Arteta bringing him in and putting him into that position. Uh, but check it out in full via the link below and we will see you soon with more. Until next time, take care. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. <laughs>